Eternal Entrepreneur, we believe faith comes by hearing, and so do business skills. You'll hear powerful stories and strategies to grow your business, directly from Christian leaders who have done it all before. Catch us on Mondays for lunch breaks, our bite-sized business series, and twice a month on Fridays for faith-inspiring interviews. Hello, and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton. And we cannot be more excited to share our conversation with Jim Kreider. Jim is a certified financial planner and the founder of Intentional Living FP, a firm which helps families achieve financial independence early so they can spend more time with the people they care about and do more of the things they enjoy. Today, he shares his story of building the business and the challenges he's overcome. Jim Kreider, it is awesome to have you on the Eternal Entrepreneur, man. I love not only your business and what you do for your clients, but having talked to you in the past, I love the fact that you go the extra mile in like investing in people, not just the outcomes that get you paid. So I'm, I'm really curious, what was your background coming from the, the bigger financial companies that led you into wanting to, to start your current company? That's the word. That's that fancy word I was looking for. Yeah, I guess a little bit a brief history. So I started working in finance at a major institution, which I'm, I'm really grateful for that experience and the exposure, the amount of conversations I was able to have, that sort of thing. But at the same time, over, over the years, I came to recognize that I was very limited in the depth of conversations I was able to have. So I, through studying and growing in my, my knowledge of financial planning, I started having specific convictions as far as what I think it takes to actually help someone in their total financial life. And I would like to go somewhere that allows me to do that. So I left that massive firm and I yeah. went to a smaller firm as, as a lead advisor at a smaller firm, which was great. That allowed me to recognize that, okay, I know more than I was giving myself credit. I am comfortable having these in-depth conversations. But even while there, I continued to find that there was a specific type of client, a niche that I like working with more than others. So through honing those conversations and learning more about those types of people and myself, I come to recognize if and when I start my own business, exactly how I'd like to build it, the people I want to work with, and the type of services I would like to provide in that. So when did you first start to think about creating your, your own business or your own company? I've always been entrepreneurial. When I was a kid, gosh, I remember early on, I'd clean up my garage and sell my dad's stuff that I never saw him use. I'd have little garage sales of my parents' stuff that just sat around. Or I would repackage candy from Halloween and then take it to school and sell it in bunches of the candy I didn't want. So let's do these large packages. So I've always liked to sell things and do stuff. But regarding finance, really the moment... The moment I got into finance, I knew that I wanted to be able to sit across the table from people and have healthy conversations about what is money, why is it important to you, and how can we align your money with, with your life. I didn't know really what that looked like. I just I figured from the get-go, eventually I'd probably end up starting my own thing just so I, I can a little bit have the type of relationship I the clients deserve and that I'd like to have with them. So it's it was years in the making. So you start off, you're working for these larger companies. You're having the thoughts that eventually you'd like to start your own company. R remind me, w when did you actually go live with your current company? I separated from my old firm in January. And okay. gosh, that day started working on business documents and all kinds of stuff. And 
was approved by the state and all these legal hoops I have to jump through for, for financial planning. It was approved into February to start bringing on clients. So, so February of 2021. So February of 2021. So you've been going for, for less than a year with this current endeavor. How long before then did it turn from, okay, I know I'd like to start my own business to, okay, this is happening. And, and what were the behind the scenes conversations you were having? What was the, was there a shift that happened for you? I love what I do, like to maybe to a fault. Like I tend, I tend to be a workaholic because I really enjoy this stuff. So for years, six years, I've incessantly listened to podcasts about financial planning, but then about the industry. Itself. So just a student of who are people that own their own businesses? What have they done? What are the mistakes they've made? How are they crafting and building a plan, a firm that's that looks like something I would like to have in my life. And I've listened to, you know, listened to and read so many books. And anytime I found someone through a podcast or a book over the years, if they said something I liked and they sound like the type of person that I'd like to build a business to be, like I would reach out to them. It was years in the making of this continual iteration of, I'm pretty confident I'm going to do this. So let's just be a student over time. But then, yeah, I would say I, I, I left the, the really big firm to go to a small firm in November of 19. Okay. So at that point, I, I left there with the intent of, all right, I'm going to go to this small firm and it'll, it's going to end up one of two ways. I'll either go here and recognize that I, I really love these people and what I'm doing and I want to move into an executive role and then right off into green pastures from there. Or I'll recognize that it's, this is an opportunity to learn, but I do definitely want to start my own thing. And I would say within a couple of months. So by early 2020, it became very clear I, I definitely want to start my own firm eventually. So that, and those conversations look like early 2020. Okay, we're gonna look at probably by 2023. And then it was, this is my wife and I, my wife, her name's Kendra. So Kendra and I, it was by 2023. And then it was by 2022. Then it was fall of 2021. And then by the end of 2020, it was ASAP. I've recognized the writings on the wall. Let's just go ahead and do this. Now, fortunately I'm a financial planner and I eat my own cooking. So for years, We've been planning our the business side of things, but also the personal finances to allow us to make this transition to starting a, a business. So we were able to just do that without you know, hesitation or fear or worry and be able to hit the ground running. Jim, so, there's two things super cool about that. The What I hear is that you had a vision and that you planted yourself in the educational aspect because these things take time and you were you know true to yourself in that. And then the other is you didn't leave out the family aspect of it. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really quick to follow their passion. And that's something that is easy to attach itself to. But especially if you've got a young family, like you're taking them along in that journey and you can't really silo your entrepreneurial journey from your family. And like that, maybe that's common sense, but I love the way you implemented it because it has, it affects them directly. That's really cool. Yeah, that's everything that you're doing, your money, your business, all of things, all these things are simply tools and resources to help you do what's important to you in life. So if you're building a business, you have to do that in consideration of how will this better help me do what I want and need to do in my life? It's they playing together. There's not a work-life balance. It's this meshing of how can these things stewarded well progress and further each other? And yeah, that's something I talk to a lot of people who maybe want to start a business or trying to figure out like, oh, I don't even know what I want to do. I just think that I'd like to go somewhere. And personally, 
it was this iterative process. Like early on, I didn't know what a certified financial planner or a CFP is. I didn't know really what financial planning was. I just know, I just knew at this point that money is the number one cause of divorce in the US and that people have a very weird relationship with their money and their life. And if I could help people at least get those right, that'd be great. So I just, I pursued that as hard as I could. I found mentors and studied and took positions. And then as I learned from that, it's, oh, this is not really fully what I want to do. It looks like by taking a, just a 20 degree turn, that will be what I want to do. So I just pursued that fully while doing well in what I was in. And I, as I pursued that, I found, oh, I'm going to hone in a little bit more. And over time, it was these continual iterative steps of going as hard as I can, learning as much as I can, immersing myself in that culture that led me to zero in on, okay, here's exactly what it looks like. And I'm not there yet. It's gonna, it's, I'm 31. I recognize this is going to be honed further over the years. But by putting myself fully in what I'm doing, pursuing being great at what I'm doing, over time, not worrying about trying to get it all figured out once, but just continue to progress, that's been really freeing for me because I'm not sitting there analysis paralysis, what's, what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. No, I, I think this is the best next step. Let's just go with that. I love that throughout what you've shared, you did, you consistently set even a, a small goal, whether it was like a learning goal or like an action goal, and you went after that, but you're always slowly progressing. And for those listening who are in that place of they're, they're, they're learning, they're educating, they're listening to podcasts, audiobooks, but maybe they're starting to to drift into the the whole analysis paralysis. Can you share what, what some of those practical things, whether they were on the finance side or otherwise, the those things that you did that started to prepare you so that when it was time, you could confidently say, "Yes, we're in a financial place. I can make this jump." One, it was relatively easy for me to do these things because it was anchored in. I wasn't trying to figure out the next goal and the next best action based off of an arbitrary metric. It was it was always rooted in something, so I could always go back to it. There's a business coach named Stephanie Bogan, and she always comes back and says that when your vision is clear, your decisions are easy. So I, I try to start off with clarity of vision. What is important to me? And how I, impl how I implement that in my financial planning firm is anchoring what you're doing and your values being the underlying why, the purpose there. Not goals change and that's okay, but actually the what is motivating those goals, okay? And then from there, we set goals. So values and then goals, all right? So a goal is just, I would like to achieve X. Understanding that goals, there's a decent chance that your goals are gonna change. My goals today look a lot different than they did 10 years ago. And I recognize that 10 years from now, they'll look different than today. But the purpose of a goal is to inform the best next step to take, okay? So values and then goals and then decisions. Now that we have a lens and a context to process decisions through those values and goals, we're able to make intentional decisions, recognizing that whatever you do, you are directly or indirectly making a trade-off. There's opportunity cost, you're making a choice. If you choose one thing, you are giving up something else, okay? So values, goals, decisions, and then finally actions. You're able to actually act in a way that aligns your behavior with what's important to you. So that's step one is anytime that your analysis paralysis, you may be there because you're not rooted in what are you ultimately trying to achieve rather than I think I want this. So you're going to a goal rather than the value. Okay. So take a step back and peel those layers back and just, it might sound goofy, but more of like, why do you want this? What is the, what's the intangible thing here? Okay. Uh, 
I guess we can camp on that and we can go to the financial side of things in, in preparation as well. But I, I, that was a long tangent. Any, any thoughts there or questions? <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's really, you articulated that really well within, I think anytime you are on the onset and you're wondering which direction should I go? Like you said, ultimately there's going to be iteration. Any entrepreneur that the path to $10 million company or a $100 million company is one direction. I just do A through Z to get there and it's linear. You're in for a big surprise because it's going to change and it's going to change a lot. And that there's nothing wrong about that. That's just a reality. The industry is going to shift underneath your feet. It may have nothing to do with how good of a planner you are. So that's one thing. And the other is you're absolutely right. If I have a goal, we were just talking about this in the last episode we did. If we have a goal, if you have a goal that's not underneath the banner of vision, then when you have two goals that look like they're competing, they're going to shut you down. It doesn't matter how talented you are or or how charismatic you are as an individual. If you don't have a really clear sense of vision, then your priorities will compete. And ultimately, you have to get really comfortable with saying even no to yourself. Like any good entrepreneur knows that no is going to be your best sort of lever for focus versus just saying yes to everything. But you need that for yourself because you're not going to be able to choose everything. And that's a really good thing to get comfortable with. So I love the way you've articulated that because I think it's absolutely true. And the more comfortable you can get with it early on and line it up with the vision, the more success you're going to have in your short-term wins. Back to so the when your vision is clear, the decisions are easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be you're not going to have trade offs and it's it's going to be hunky dory. It just means that when it comes time to to make a decision, you're doing so through the, a clearer lens rather than yeah on making on spot decision with competing goals. It's rather hey this is where I'm trying to go. There's I, I wish I could come up with a good example right now, but I know there's massive companies that we all know that said this is the end goal. We want to achieve X and they continually go back to that, the mission statement. That way, whenever a new product line comes up, whatever, they're not chasing the the, the next squirrel that comes around rather than here's what we're There's this great story by Simon uh, Sinek. He was talking about, he just had done a keynote for Apple and he's in the back of the black car and they're driving somewhere to some event. And he's with, I want to say it was John Ives. And he's he was given at another keynote from Microsoft, he was given a Zoom. And they were like, he was like, Hey guys, I know you're doing all this really cool stuff. He's like, have you seen the Zoom? I, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is a pretty impressive MP3 player. Like I, you guys may, I can show it to you if you want. And he leans over and he goes, it probably is a nice MP3 player. And that's all he said. And at the time he was like, why was he so dismissive of the MP3 player? He had no idea that the iPhone was coming out. And so it's really easy to get hyper-focused on, well, they've got that product and they've got that service and I'm, and I'm competing and I'm losing this competition. But really, if your vision is high enough, it elevates your decisions, which elevates how you compete. May even mean you're not competing on the same playing field. But to transition a ton about that with financial planning, because I'm sure all the time people are like, should I invest in this or this new opportunity came up? But you got to stay the course to have any success in this stuff. You can't make an arbitrary decision as far as, hey, I have, you know, an extra 20 grand to invest. Where do I put it? Like, what do you hope to achieve? That will dictate the type of account you use. That's going to dictate how you invest this money for liquidity purposes, for tax planning purposes, 
So you, you have to know what's begin with the end in mind. Um, otherwise, you're, you're probably going to leave something on the table that's there for right for opportunity. Were there certain things that you would suggest to people who are beginning to get clarity that they too want to start a business? Like I'm, I'm assuming from a financial standpoint, you're probably going to need to take different actions than if you're going to stay at a W-2 job for a while. Were, were there any practicals that you could share for someone when they're starting to think through, what do I financially need to do to help pre prepare myself to start a business? Yeah, so I'll tell you, well, my story right quick in that. So Kendra, my wife, her name is Kendra and I were both working you know, W-2 jobs. And gosh, we when we were newlyweds, we were poor. Like our, I think in 2013, our second year of marriage, our, our combined gross household income was like right at 12 grand. <laughs> so we were, we were broke. Uh, so then when we started making better money, not being like six figures or anything, just a livable salary, we we're so used to living pretty bare bones that we had for about five years, about a 40% savings rate. So we were saving about 40% of our household income. And I was going to retirement accounts, but also saving in savings accounts and stuff. So we could buy a house and all these fun things. So that a lot of people don't like budgeting and savings because they feel like they're constraining themselves. But the reality there is you're providing yourself opportunity for later on by doing that. You're setting yourself up to have the choice. That was so freeing for us because for years we lived relatively frugally while enjoying life, recognizing what's important to us ultimately, but knowing that, hey, we, we want this optionality. So doing that. So I guess going back to this story of us leaving, I started recognizing, hey, we're probably going to start a business in 2023, then 2022, then 2021, and then ASAP. As this started progressing and getting sooner and sooner, we looked at our accounts, our investments, our net worth, all these things. And we said, okay, right now we have X. I think at the point we had, I don't know, 30, maybe $40,000 in, in savings. I said, all right, that will last us, whatever, six months. So that was one point. And then we looked at it and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be starting a business and we won't have any income. We have three kids. So Kendra, she stays at home with the kids. And then if I was leaving my old business to start a new one, we wouldn't have any household income. We need to pay the bills for a bit. And we're going to assume we're going to go 12 to 18 months without having any income for the house. So we decided at that point, obviously we need to have leverage to pull to get income for that period of time. So we looked at, all right, we can spend down from 30,000 to, to $10,000 in our savings. And then what's the next lever we can pull? So we have equity in our home. So before we left the, before I left my job, because that's really important, is I went to the bank and said, hey, I want to establish a home equity line of credit or a HELOC. I got that approved while I had income. That's important. Don't wait to borrow money until you need to borrow the money. If I would have left my job and then applied for the HELOC, a home equity line of credit, my debt to income ratio would have been infinite because I had debt without income. So I applied for that which provided us about $55,000 assets to pull from our house. And then also establish a personal line of credit. So if things come up, we could go years, and that's before tapping into our investable assets. I'd like to not touch those just because the growth opportunity there versus the interest rates. So yeah, we're in a position now that we could live for, if we needed, we could go a couple of years before we tap into our investable assets. And at that point, gosh, we could technically retire if we wanted right now. Yeah, we set ourselves up with this flexibility of, okay, I want to start a business. And I started with zero clients. And today I have 15 clients, which is enough for me to pay the overhead of the business and continue to invest in. And if I was strapped for cash and desperate, I would be eating the seed corn. I would grab any income and then feed it to myself rather than burying that, putting that back into the field and allowing to grow a bigger harvest down the line. 
So having that, uh, just the savings mentality for those years allowed us now to reinvest more fully into our business and actually provide a lifestyle that we were looking for and the freedom and such. So short story made long right there. <laughs> now, I think that was a perfect story. There was so much good stuff there, both practical and otherwise this, that I know others can take when preparing, just like you said, for that, those who might be in that analysis place, or they're just starting into the, the education on what does it look like to start a business. There are so many things just within, again, it's not sexy, but your monthly budget, like how do you prepare? I, I loved what you, you said with that. It was like, it's not just oh, I'm restraining myself on what I can or can't spend, but it's allowing myself the flexibility in the future to be able to step and take advantage of opportunities. That's really good. Really good. That goes back to the business decisions things. Like you can't off the cuff decide, all right, I'm going to save X dollars as paycheck because at the moment you see something you want to buy, you're not going to have something anchoring that decision into. So you're going to go buy it. Rather than having clarity of vision, those values established, Kinder and I were very clear. We want finan early financial independence and optionality. So to, in order to secure that, we need to you know, restrict ourselves today. And we're already reaping the benefits of that. So yeah, if we have plenty of friends and former colleagues who made fun of us in the way that we would save and not go out to the bars. Or I basically wear the same clothes every day. And we enjoy ourselves. Like we love going on trips and everything. And I love our lifestyle. But having a, in financial planning, at least, there, you always hear like buying a latte or buying, going to Starbucks and getting coffee is always harped on. Um, like, oh, how much money you could have if you didn't buy that latte? If, if buying coffee is important to you, go for it. But just recognize whatever you're doing, again, there's decisions. You are making a trade-off. If you get one thing, you're disqualifying yourself, just disqualifying yourself from something else. So just make sure you're doing that informed and intentionally. Just so our listeners know, Jim is actually wearing a black turtleneck right now. And that's so good. And I think that's one of those really big things, especially in America, that it's hard for us to swallow is that you can't have it all. Or as what does Dave Ramsey say, live like nobody else today so that you can live like nobody else tomorrow. It's these feeling like kitsch sayings, but there's a lot of truth to those. And it's simple, but it's true. Jim, I, I want to make sure we have enough time and transition to get a little bit in within this last year. So you started this business and obviously you've got 15 clients. You're at least making enough to, to break even, if not a little bit more. Tell us over this first year, what were some of the biggest obstacles that you hit, whether you were expecting them or not? So again, I was a student industry for so long. I was fortunate enough to hear the major regrets and the success stories from people who've been doing this for you know, decades. So I was already well aware of the biggest regret was I wish I would have just started my own thing sooner. But doing this when I was 30, that was, I feel like I at least mitigated that, that regret. Um, the things I did run into are like right now, I'm struggling with like marketing. I'm a really bad salesperson. So I'm not even, you know, I'm not really going to try to address that right now, but I'm trying to address marketing. How do I get this message out? I know there's people out there who want someone like me and maybe right now they're just working with someone down the street because it's convenient and that's what they know. And this person's, there's a decent chance this person at their local spots not doing the actual type of work they need. How do I reach that? So marketing, building processes is something that I've done from the get-go. How can I make myself, how can I free up as much time as possible so I can do the important work while having processes and systems in place to automate the non, uh, I guess, the things that won't impact the client as much. 
So that's something I'm continually looking at right now, like from client number one was, Hey, I want to start, I want to do it in this way, have these processes set up that way. When I'm at hundred clients, it's already automated. That's that regret I heard so many times is, Oh, up front, we just took any client we could because even if they didn't fit our niche, because I needed the income and we just, we're going to do these things for this person and that thing for another one. And all of a sudden we're making plenty of money, but we're just putting out fires all the time. Gosh, I can't have that. So I, I tried I've tried my hardest to be disciplined from the get-go uh, as far as, yeah, setting up systems and processes and staying within my niche. My firm's built specifically to work with young families who want to achieve early financial independence. And I've had people come to me, friends, parents, and neighbors, and people like, hey, I just sold a quadplex that we're going to cash out a couple million dollars. I'd love to work with you. And I could technically take them as a client, and that would be phenomenal revenue, but I have to recognize, hey... They're not within my target demographic. They're in their 60s or 70s. I work with young families. And right now that would be income, but later on that would be a nuisance. That would be a nuisance for me. And they would be underserved because they're not within actually who I work with. So that's a very big, if you're building a business, again, define who you want to work with and the problems you want to solve for them. Because eventually you're going to want to work with someone specific. That way you can be the best in what you're doing and be that allows you to be efficient and effective in what you're doing and also maximize your time. Like you would not want to go to a heart surgeon that you needed work done on your knee. Yeah, they can probably figure it out, but it's going to be, a, you're not going to trust them as much to work on your knee because they don't, they look, they look at, they look at hearts every day. And also it's going to be a bad use of their time because they haven't looked at that in a textbook since they were in school. It's really good. I, I think niche is so important. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially those starting out, if you can define your specific niche, your ideal client from the get-go, it's going to, oh, for all of the myriad of reasons you just shared, it simplifies your life. Uh, and and to have the, the diligence to say no, talk, talk to me about, did you have that temptation? What was that internal struggle like for you when you would have those opportunities? Because I think that's one of the biggest things for new entrepreneurs is to say no. And, and as I'm, I'm saying that, I, I feel was the fact that you were financially confident that you could survive a big factor in you being able to say, I'm going to pass? Yeah, there were two factors that made it easy because I have given up a lot of, gosh, I just referred out, I just referred a client that if I took that person on as a client would pay, I could, I would have a livable salary. And uh, just, I know I've heard too much from people who are further along than I am to want to take that, those people on. Yeah, the value of a niche and knowing who you work with, who you serve best. I would be doing myself a disservice and others. So the two things that made those decisions easy for me are one, yeah, just continually hearing the stories, learning from people who went before me. Hey, I wish I would have established a niche up front and been true to that because now I'm having to fire clients and, or maybe it's just not as efficient and effective as it could be. Okay, I've heard enough people say that. I'm going to take their word for it. And then two, yeah, the, the financial side of things. I talk to other advisors all the time who, oh man, you probably should, you probably should have just taken this person because it should be nice to have the income right now. And so we have a different one because I'm not planning for right now. I'm planning for the long haul. But two, fortunately, because we were established financially, I don't need to worry about right now. I am able to plan for the long haul. So yeah, just having that financial background and plan there allows us the flexibility to not have to just take every dollar that comes our way. And also it takes the pressure off as far as trying to have to be some aggressive salesman that goes out and just wins everyone's business. I don't want that. 
you can tell when you go somewhere, you can tell the, the person who's trying to sell you something because they're on a deadline and I do not want to be that guy. And so removing those, that pressure allows me to be more free and upfront and say, hey, here's if or how we should work together. Here's what I think is truly best, not because I'm desperate for the income right now. One of the things I think that's so powerful in that is what you say yes to from a sales perspective decides and defines what business you're in. And that's really, it's a gut punch if you're first starting out because there's so much opportunity out there. But if you have a bakery and the main thing you focus on is pies and someone says, hey, listen, I want to get an order of 2,000 cookies or 10,000 cookies and you, for a corporate event. You're like, oh my gosh, like that's a huge opportunity and I have the right equipment for it. Therefore, I can do it. The second you say yes to that opportunity, you're in the cookie corporate cookie business, not the pie business, which means you're saying yes to someone else's vision for your company versus your own, which means you've just bought yourself and tied yourself to a job which you no longer own. And it's really hard in those early days to, to say no to opportunity. And you should always vet opportunity, I believe, through the Holy Spirit. But that being said, you are not in the revenue business. You are in whatever business you defined. And so the more quickly you can get comfortable with saying no to opportunity, you're saying yes to your vision which is going to give you more freedom. And so, I don't know. I just think it's great, man. Uh, it's really true. The faster you can learn that lesson, the better. Called essentialism by a guy named Greg McCowan or something. And yeah, he, oh gosh, I think he, the quote, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically being essentialist is not a matter of saying no to everything, but rather a matter of saying yes and deciding what you want to go big on. So look at it, that makes the decisions a lot easier as well. You're not like, oh, I'm turning down so much, but rather, wow, I'm really going to get the opportunity to do really well in this thing. So you have to view it through that through that glass half glass full view. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be hard and painful. Was there a specific process that you went through to help you define your niche? I guess a few things. Again, I, I spent many years doing this before starting my own firm, and I've had probably, I don't know, 30,000 conversations with clients now. And part of it was, part of it was probably just informed by the client's conversations. So I talked with a lot of people. There was a time I was doing planning for physicians, retirement planning for physicians. So I talked with people who household income was 800,000 to $2 million. And they're 64 trying to figure out if or how they can retire and what their lifestyle is going to look like. And I, the vast majority of those conversations, those people were not prepared to be retired. And so many of those people cried. Because oh, if I would have done this better from the from earlier on, I could have done these other things. I have so many regrets. It's like, my gosh, if I could, I can make a small change when you're 64. But if I could capture these people a few decades earlier, just those just small changes will have compounding effect over a prolonged period of time. So I love, gosh, if I could go upstream and make an impact. So there, there was that part. And then also, I don't know, I, I like... I like working with people like me, I guess. Again, I'm, I, being that I'm 31, I'm young, I want to have the option to not have to work by the time I'm 45, but still have a lifestyle that we like, those sorts of things. And it's not, if you're familiar with the FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early, a lot of people in FIRE are like, oh, I just want to do a job I hate for nine years and hate my life. And then I'm going to retire by myself and go to Southeast Asia and sit on the beach. And so I think you're going to be pretty empty. You're doing something you hate now and not enjoying your life, 
So in nine years, you can quote unquote retire, do nothing with your life and be around no community on a beach. You're going to get there and after four months, realize you're still empty. So there's these, it's this mentality of, I want option, I want work optionality so I can spend time with my family. So I say all that because it was also a decision of, I've had some of these conversations, but also I, my, my wife and I were very prototypical, our clients. Like I want to not have to work sooner rather than later so I can spend significant time with, with the people I love, but also that balance of, it would be nuts for me to say, man, I would love to retire at 45 so I can go backpack the Pacific Crest Trail with my boys before they have their own families. Oh, I want to retire early so I can spend more time with my family. It would be bizarre for me to say that, get up and work from 6 a.m. to midnight and not see my kids while they're actually in my house. So that informs, well, how am I building my business? So yeah, having this knit, again, all these conversations I have with other people, but also I live it myself. I know the conversations that my clients and these people are having behind closed doors, the tough conversations, the opportunities, the, the worries, the hopes that these families are having. I've been able to peek around the corner and see, wow, these are the decisions you're going to have. Here's the regrets that people who didn't do it, here's the regrets they had. Here's the people who are successful, the things they did well. Kendra and I ourselves, somehow we've managed to squeeze most like financial decisions that most people make between like their mid twenties to mid forties. We squeeze that into a couple of years going from, you know, corporate America to small jobs, to quitting jobs, to staying at home and having kids and all the things that goes there. So it's just, that's really helpful as well. We're starting to head to the end of our time. And I, I hope we get to have you back on the podcast sometime and, and go a little deeper. And I'm really interested here in a year or two to, to see especially how all of the unfolds itself, because you've done some amazing things. And I know there's some really good stuff there. I hope all of you who are listening have gotten some really practical items for how to prepare yourself, both mentally to make that jump into owning your own business, as well as financially. But we're heading into our, our final five minutes here, Jim, and we have our final five questions that we ask all of our guests. So question number one, what are the top three must-read books for you in this season of your life, not including the Bible? And these can be business, family, spiritual, cookbook. <laughs> oh, man. For me personally right now, I would say revisiting The E-Myth. That's a book that I read at least once a year. And I make sure I stay on top of that to keep myself accountable to the lessons they, they preach. I've just started also going through more specific marketing-focused books. So like I actually just started working through last week, the pumpkin. So I'm, I'm walking through that so I can, again, focus on here's why I feel like I'm, I'm falling short. So how can I address that? And then yeah, I guess a third book, I, I have too many in my queue right now. I like to pick <laughs> up something fun every once in a while. Um, I'm probably going to reread Love Does again here soon, just to also remind myself of don't get too focused on the business. Enjoy today and your family and what you have here. Those are great. I love all of those. E-Myth, I mean, classic book. Anything Mike Michalowicz, awesome. And then, yeah, Bob Goff right there with uh, Love Does. So, yeah, that's a encouraging and fun book. And even if you're also trying to get that vision, what, what do you really want to accomplish? I think that's a good one to, to, to read. All right, question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off to your entrepreneurial journey. So what is this, like nine months ago? Maybe a couple of months before. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? It's, so, it's all so fresh. I would say uh, 
probably mostly encouraging. Hey, you're going to, you can do this. You're going to make it. So that's number one, just an encouraging note. You can keep going. You're going to make it. Number two is yeah. Invest in the business early and continually. So uh, trying to get better as far as, again, going into marketing and investing back in the business, doing that really from the get. And then finally is building a culture. Right now, it's just me, but building a culture for the business itself on the culture of me and the, if eventually with other advisors and the culture that my clients are brought into when they engage with intentional living. That's so good. I, I feel like we've got our, our three topics for the next time we have you on here to, to dive <laughs> deep into culture, investing in your business, and also that mental game, that encouragement extravaganza. All right. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself today? Learning and doing well with the relationships, the opportunities, the, hello, whatever's at my disposal and whatever is within and around me. So I could be massively quote unquote successful with my business. Yet if it's not helping me achieve the, the having, having the ability to spend more time with my family, ultimately that was not a success. So that's, oh gosh, who's the writer? He talks about leaning your Stephen Covey. He talks about leaning a ladder up the wrong wall. So I could climb a ladder really fast. I'm like, oh, look how great of a climber I am. But at the end of the day, I look down, it's, oh, I was, that, that was the wrong place. So yeah, you could say I'm successful. You're successful because you built a big business, but you, there's a decent chance you built it along the wrong wall. So scaling back and not just looking at those little things, but did this actually achieve what I wanted it to do? And if so, that's fantastic. That's really good, especially for you firefighters out there. I think that is a key lesson to, to pull. Put the ladder up to the right <laughs> wall. And then the rest of us can take the metaphor pretty far too. But. <laughs> All right, question number four. When times have gotten tough over this last year, what's kept you from quitting? That long-term vision, just the knowing what I want to build why I want to build it, the impact I want to be able to have on the families and the industry on. And then also, again, the freedom it allows. If I wanted right now, I could go and take a job making very great income, but I would also not be able to, you know, I, I work from home and I, I, I can design my own schedule and I can build a culture around for my clients. And if I went and worked for another firm, like it would not provide for that lifestyle that I'm looking for with the ability to spend time with my family. Gosh, our one-year-old, he turns two this week. So I'm taking Thursday off just to be with him. And I'm taking Friday off because we're all going to the zoo together. I couldn't do that at a big company or else that's, oh, it's your PTO. Can you get it approved? Or maybe someone else has that day off. That's nuts. So that the anchoring into what am I, how's this serving the vision for my family? And then also I was thinking the other day, if I won the lottery, would I quit and just go and you know backpack and be in the mountains? No, I, I wouldn't because there's also that clarity of vision of the impact I'm able to have on the families I work with. So staying along, staying with that too. That's really good. Before we get into how people can connect and find out more about you, Jim, question number five is what question should we have asked that we didn't? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't have any really. I'll hit a lot of highlights and the good stuff as far as, uh, yeah, I, y'all did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we put that question in there, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jim, for all of our listeners out there who either want to get in touch with your financial business specifically to possibly work with you, or just to learn more about what you're doing, what you're putting out there, how, how do they find out and get connected with you? You can go to my website. It's intentionalivingfp, as in financialplanning.com. 
And uh, actually, you can go, I'll, I'll make a link directly for you listeners here. You can go to intentionallivingfp.com slash, I don't know, what are we going to do there for the slash eternal entrepreneurial? Yeah, I'll just do that. Slash eternal entrepreneur. So <laughs> go there. I'll have some stuff just for, for you guys uh, who are listening to this. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Jim Kreider TX, I believe. Yeah. Jim Kreider TX. You'll see my mug there. And I, I hope that's the right Twitter handle. I'd love to connect. <laughs> if you want, I, I'll have on the website, I'll, I'll have a link there. You can put 15 minutes on my calendar. And if you want to ask, I don't know, hey, I'm thinking about quitting my job so I can start a business. Can I or should I? Or what's it look like to use my 401k to do that? If you have a weird one-off question like that, I'd be more happy to dive into that for you. Or if you want to talk about financial planning and what that looks like, I'm more than happy to go in there. And uh, yeah, so throw a few minutes on my, my calendar and I'd love to love to chat. That's awesome. Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure having you and we look forward to hopefully having you again. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.